fun. Good morning, everyone. How is everyone? I, I want to begin by praising Jesus for all of our workers last weekend, Easter at Adventure 2018. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Shepherds Ministry everywhere. AV team, AV team did the Good Friday service, did Sunday services, children's ministry team, lots of workers showed up last weekend, Uh, guest services everywhere, we served tons of communion last weekend, helpers around the baptistry, our baptistry was warm last weekend, people are coming back. We solved that problem. It's only been a year in research and development, but we figured out how to make certain the water was warm. Praise Jesus. The one number I want to give you is we had over 30 baptisms last weekend. Several were spontaneous. Some, some, one gentleman already came to me and said, you know what, I, I want to do this. Hey, you, you still, you want this? You want to like own this decision for yourself? Let, let us know on a Connect card. Our baptisms are scheduled again in July, and we will be there for you. I also want to thank you so much for honoring Jesus and praying for the neighbor nearest you. Remember the challenge in January to begin every day with prayer and start blessing our neighbors? Begin each day with prayer. Listen to your neighbors. B-L. Eat with your neighbors, serve your neighbors, and if you get a chance, share your Jesus story with your neighbors. And we had a chance to invite our neighbors to services last weekend, and I'll bet you had a higher success rate than I did. I invited seven, one came. I was so happy, though, so happy. And I I got, I was so grateful, and I got, they're not in this service, I don't think, but I got to be with them Saturday, let me see the night, the next night, that night hang out with them, and they told me our heart was full. We left full, and I was like, ah! (laughs) I was so happy. I know you can't relate, maybe, but you know, you want your neighbors to have a great experience, and my neighbors had a fantastic experience. So I want to thank you for your work, and I want to thank you for your prayers, because I think those two, those two made a huge difference. And if you want more details, we posted it on Facebook, and in our e-newsletter, you can see what a special weekend it was for us. Do you see the weather this week? Do you see that? We got 60s and 70s this week. Yes! We got great weather. Enjoy every moment. This is the time of year when track practice is going on. People are getting ready for marathons. And uh, football, spring training starts here soon. Baseball season. I see some baseball players in here. I see you, Carl, back there. It's good to see you this morning. This morning I want to talk about this morning I want to talk about setting prayer into motion. We're in a series called Building Lives That Matter. And the way you build a life that matters is you continue to lean in on your own personal and family values. And some of you might think, values? I don't have a family value, I don't have a personal value. You do. They actually help direct and guide decision making. When you make a big decision about your job, about your marriage and family life, about your finances, it's typically based on a value. And so we've been talking about values. We've talked about setting a miracle in motion. Today we're going to talk about setting prayer in motion. And I know as 
an older dad, I remember being a younger dad and being very dependent on prayer with my kids. And I remember a time when we took our kids to a peewee, junior peewee Pop Warner football game at Rancho Cordova High School. And we had four sons, and they were all on different teams. So that meant 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Rancho Cordova High School in the middle of the summer, sweltering heat, you feel for us. And we were, we were a single-income family. It was kind of tough back then. And uh, we were leaving at the end of the day. Kids are tired. And I see somebody picking up all the trash by themselves all by himself, picking up the trash to clean up the stands. And I said, hey, is somebody paying you for this? Or, and he said, no, I'm the president. It's my job, the president of our team. And my wife told me that as soon as I asked that question, she thought, you don't have to just speak your mind. Why do you say such stupid things? And she kind of wanted to give me an evil eye. What are you even talking to him for? Let's leave. And... Uh, we had a little conversation, and she said, well, why don't we help him clean up? And we're trying to teach our boys to be other-centered, teach our sons to be service-oriented. And so we said, hey, guys, let's clean up the stadium. Volunteer, end of the day. And none of them gave us an ugly eye look, but they were willing to serve. And I didn't realize this, but while we were cleaning up, my wife's praying, Jesus, dad stepped into. I tend to be the one that speaks my mind in our family. I'm the one that lacks the most EQ sometimes. And uh, she's praying. I didn't realize it. She's praying, Jesus, please reward our sons. So we, we cleaned up weakness when we're asking them to serve. And so we, we cleaned up and we were done. We cleaned up the whole stadium at Rancho Cordova High School on the visitor side. I remember it because we looked right into the sun all day. We cleaned it all up, and we were leaving. Our sons grabbed their football gear, and we're walking out of the stadium, and a couple people said, hey, thanks, that was awfully nice of you. Why, why are you being so generous? They're like, oh, my dad. <laughs> and uh, Melissa's still praying. We're about to leave, and all of a sudden, you wouldn't believe who came, who stepped up. It was like an angel, angel in the outfield, angel in the red zone. It was the Jamba Juice Vendor. He'd been serving all day, and he had a plethora of jambas left over from the day. And he walked up to my family and said, hey, would anyone like a jamba? And I'm like, yes! And my wife's like, I believe! Praise the Lord! And so all our sons got jamba juices, and I probably had two or three of them. And it was an incredible reward Melissa was praying, Jesus, show up in this matter and really help us communicate an important truth to our sons. We don't always get the answers to our prayers that we want, but sometimes we get more than we even ask for. Can you relate? Do you have something for which you're praying that's really sincere, really concerning, that, that really is bringing out full engagement for you? Maybe it's a special condition, a special circumstance at school. You're praying for your, your grandson, your granddaughter, your son or daughter. Maybe it's your college student's um, trend towards maybe applying for a college. 
Is there something you're praying very, very specifically for as it relates to your children? You're asking God to do something. Is there, some, is there, is there a relationship that's a little estranged, that's a little awkward, that feels funny that you're having to intersect with regularly, that you're praying for reconciliation? Is there, in your marriage and family life, is there a relationship that needs mending? Do you have big dreams for vacation this summer and uh, financial needs? Okay. What is it that you are praying for? Do you have a medical uh, diagnosis that's daunting, um, that's got your attention right now? The... The reason this passage, this really matters this morning, is that Jesus was often surrounded by people that were facing daunting odds. In the gospel narrative in Mark, Mark captures Jesus saying that one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with Jesus, and he said, my daughter is dying. I need you now. And the context of this passage, the context of this passage is Jesus is being chased by people that really need him. He's being chased by a woman who's had a long-term chronic internal flow of blood that she has not been able to have treated. He's, he's being, and she's, she's experiencing great shame and needs release from her public shame. Secondly, he's being chased by someone who, who opposes him, a synagogue official who is opposed to Jesus, in most cases, all of them were. And yet he's desperate because his, his daughter is dying. He needs Jesus to help. And then he's being chased, Jesus is being chased, that is, by some blind guys that are, that are Jewish nationalists that want to have their sight returned to them. And uh, Jesus is practicing incredible mercy to make himself available to everyone. And what we're going to see in this passage is that when Jesus gets serious about answering prayer, he is incredibly focused. And I'll bet you've got something, some obstacle, some challenge, some relationship ahead of you that if you model Jesus' tactics of prayer, it would set in motion whatever you're praying about. Would you like to know how Jesus really focused his prayer? Would you be interested? Would you like to know, like, if you've got a super big challenge, how you can follow Jesus' template to help address it and get a win? And it's a win's best intention, which you desired or not, you trust Jesus' best intentions for you. You in for that? Okay, here we go. So here's the narrative. And I'll need your help when I get to the red, if you could join me. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. This is that synagogue leader whose daughter was sick. And they said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Totally dismal news. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Let me just pause here. 
it was practice for Jews and Roman citizens that when there was a loss of life, a death, that you actually would hire mourners, professional mourners, no exaggeration. And it was a loud ruckus of mourning. There were rules, actually, to hiring mourners. Here, here's a few of them. One rule is that you had to, the mourner would tear his cloak at the chest level and had to be large enough, the tear had to be large enough that a fist could fit through it. Facts you need to know. And there also was a rule in the Roman Empire that flutes were often used. Flutists were often used as part of the mourning that you couldn't have more than 10 flutes playing for the mourners. And the reason was that it was annoying and was a noise disturbance. So Jesus comes to this just total chaos of mourning uh, where people are mourning loss. I got to be an officiant at a funeral this weekend, uh, this week, and people, we, we mourn. We do grieve. Christians grieve. Not as the world grieves, but we grieve, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. That word sleep refers to someone who's literally just on a Tempur-Pedic enjoying a good nap. But they laughed at him. You know, sometimes Jesus is asking you to have faith when others will laugh. Okay. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay, there are nuggets all throughout this. The first is this. When it comes to really being focused on a specific prayer request, follow Jesus' template and decide what to delete. Decide to delete. Decide to delete. Here's the narrative. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. When you're praying and you sense the Holy Spirit is leading you a certain direction, you're called to delete the noise of the crowd. To delete language like, like, your daughter's dead. There's no hope. <laughs> what, are you, what are you even talking about this for anymore? Or, why bother the teacher anymore? You, you're not, you don't have enough value to continue to interrupt him. Who, who do you think you are? That kind of language. This is the kind of challenge we're, we're, we face every day, especially amidst our online chaos, our news chaos, um, just the amount of information we're inundated with constantly. We have to answer the question, who are we listening to? And we listen to a lot of different voices. Here are some of the voices that form our perspective. The first is our own voice of insecurity. Am I good enough for Jesus to be concerned about me? Or the culture's voice of expectations. Do they approve of me? That's a big temptation to fear the culture uh, over fearing Jesus or, or letting Jesus, uh, uh, trusting Jesus. Thirdly, our enemy's voice of temptation. Did God really say that? And then finally, God's voice of truth and grace. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Or 
our Father's a generous Father. He cares about every, everything we're going through. Who are you listening to? This template I use, it's kind of been embedded in my head, and I use it for decision-making all the time. It's just something I have in my head that I use all the time in decision-making, how to, how to wordsmith something, how to address a problem, all the time. Here it is. How do I discern the voice of God? The first is, is this prompting truly from God? Prompting, when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives in me, he'll give me direction constantly. And as he does, I ask the question, is this truly from God? And here's how I answer it. Is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? Does the Bible give me the freedom, the direction to do this? Is it important? Wise. Is this wise? Is this wise? Okay. Um, is it in tune with my own character? Is this, is this in tune with, with who I am? Or is this kind of a random, you know, new little hobby? I was reading on the BBC News last night that Russell Crowe, evidently separating from his, uh, his, his cost, his name, I don't know if they were married or not. It looks like they were, but he's selling all of his costumes. He's selling like the gladiator suit. He's selling master and commander gear, all this fun stuff. And I thought, boy, it'd be fun to buy some of that. No, that was stupid. So I, I moved on. Is it wise? No. Is it in tune with my own character? Is this kind of the direction God's leading me? Okay. I was pretty impressed uh, this morning. We were talking about the Mariners-Giants game this weekend in Ichiro. Is that how I pronounce his name, Ichiro? Yeah, thank you. Look at that. The guy's 44 years old, and he's playing pro ball. <laughs> you know what that says to me? Maybe I should try out for maybe a... I'm talking about double A. I'm not talking MLB pro, but maybe try it. No, that's, that's not... That's dumb. That's, that's not in tune with, with where I'm at. And then lastly... What do the people you most think about, the people that you, what do the people you most trust think about it? So if you're, if you're sensing God's speaking to you, you should be very willing to hear from the people that love you the most, that you trust the most. A lot of times when people aren't listening to the Lord, they separate themselves from, from the people that love them the most. They isolate themselves because they don't want to hear, right? So... Decide to delete the voices that are chaotic. And Jesus did that. He asked the crowds to, to, to not follow him. Don't follow him. He told all the crowds, stop following me. And he just took Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. Nothing wrong with deleting, deciding to delete voices. Decide to delete voices so you can hear the voice of Christ. Decide to delete voices so you can hear the voice of Christ. Let me just ask, are you setting aside regular time to hear the voice of Jesus Christ? Every day, do you take a moment to listen to Jesus? Do you take, do, do, have you accepted, the, I mean, it's a yes or no. Have you accepted the challenge that we've given you to give Jesus the first 15 minutes of every day? And that means giving him, playing some good praise music and and. And taking some time to just thank him. And taking some time to open the Bible, to open this incredible book and let him speak to you. Let me tell you, when you do that, you're suiting up. You're putting the gear on you need for the day. And it's a daily thing. Are you doing it? If you are, you're going to get strong. You keep doing it, you're going to hear his voice and you're going to be able to reject all the other voices. It's just 15 minutes every day. 
and it'll make a big difference. Let me just ask, show of hands, how many of you are in for 15 minutes a day? Throw your hand up, look around. Look at that. Put your hands together. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Jesus will help you get strong. It's just like working out. You just do it spiritually. It's a huge difference. Secondly, lose the drama. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Nobody else could follow him. He didn't want all the, all the, all the flutists. He didn't want all the mourners. He just wanted his inner circle. He was, he was very particular about who was closest to him. I think there was a practical reason here. He was, he was having a problem with crowd control. He didn't need a bunch of people to see this incredible miracle. He needed his few to see the miracle. What is the biggest source of commotion in your life? What's causing the most commotion in your life? You know, you know what I hear from people that causes them a lot of commotion? Facebook. News. Just, just commotion. And some of it, what we need to give the news and Facebook more of is our prayers. Not our attention and our ears. People need our prayers. Our mayor, our city council, our first-time responders in Sacramento, they need our prayers daily. Our campuses, they need our prayers not our commotion. That's right, David. And so, what's the biggest source of commotion in your life? Here's one, one discipline my wife and I practice. If stuff's frustrating to us, when we get home, we don't talk about it. In fact, we know we're frustrated, we just don't want to talk about it. How come? Because once you start talking about it, what happens? Oh, you've never had this experience. You, you get angry, right? Just don't talk about it. If it doesn't come out of the mouth, you don't have to hear yourself say it. It's wonderful. You just focus on good things. It's awesome, right? It doesn't mean you're delusional. Uh, it just means you don't want to, you know, you may have pet peeves. You just don't pet them. And if you don't pet them, they go away, right? How do you get rid of commotion in your life? Here's, here's one way. Circle up. Get in a group. Get around some people that help you get better, some, some devoted Christians that help you get better. Men, get in a men's group. Ladies, get in a women's group. Get around some people or, or work on a project here at Adventure. I love seeing the men and the ladies work on our tiny house in the back on Saturdays. It's awesome. Get around some people that help you get better. We do this with work. We do this with fitness. Let's do it with our spiritual training. Do you know some of you, the biggest step you could take was, especially young adults, what I'd love you young adults in college age to do is attend our new young adult community group that's starting here really soon. Just on your Connect card, take it out right now and say, all right, hook me up to the new young adult community group. When the, when the baskets pass around, jump in there with Zach and Brian and their wives. Should be a great time for you. Circle up. You know what they say? I've said this for years. You are the average of your five closest friends. So you don't like your average? Trade up some new friends. <laughs> you don't like your average? You've got to hang out with people that are, that, are, that are batting a higher average than you are. That's what happens. You know, I run with a running group, and the last couple weeks, I've been, actually the last month, I've been slow. And I was running with my group the other day, and they kind of confronted me. They said, what's your problem? 
I'm not kidding. That was their word. You okay? I didn't say anything. I was like, yeah, I'm all right. They're bringing more out of me. It's awesome. It's what I need. I got issues. (laughs) Circle up in a group. So the first is decide to delete. The second is lose the drama and circle up with a group that, like Jesus did with his disciples that brought the best out of him. You know what? Before, before I move on, there may be some of you that maybe heard my, my challenge last week. I want to I speak to it a little bit more. Look at what Jesus is doing here. Last week, we talked about real hope. Jesus here is modeling not just bringing real hope to a family that's, that's lost their 12-year-old. He's, he's modeling bringing real hope to a woman who's got an internal embarrassment. He's going to bring hope to two blind men. And I think you're all about bringing hope. Most adventurers understand it's not about us. It's about serving one another and serving our community, right? And we should all be doing that. And I think you probably, most of you are doing that. But I want to challenge you to the next level. Look at what Jesus does here. Jesus, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Jesus is reproducing his leadership in those closest to him. What would it look like if you started apprenticing the next generation? What would it look like if you started taking someone under your wings in the children's ministry, the student ministry, at Family Promise, at tiny houses, in the community, and you started pouring into the next generation? So that when you tap out and, and you take a break, there's, some, there's one or two other people to step in for you. That, to me, is the next level of bringing hope. You're bringing hope and you're doing it as a team. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Jesus was unwilling to give up. He refused to settle on the loss of this young girl's life. You know, this reminds me of King David. After he was losing his son, his son was dying, newborn. And what did he do? He fasted and he prayed. And once the son died, his, his joy returned to him. And his closest associates came to him and they said, Why are you so happy? And he said, Because I was praying. I didn't want to give up. I was praying that God would raise my son up. He didn't. I was praying God would change his mind. Double check me on this. That God would change his mind. He didn't change his mind. But I kept praying. And and now that I've lost my son, I know that my son can't come back to me. But I can go to him. And here's the point. David refused to settle. Has God given you, packaged within you a dream for your career, for your family, for your health, for your relationships, for your house? Don't settle. Keep praying. Keep praying and watch Jesus do something that you yourself could never have done. And we've seen this in our family crazy multiple times. My wife's way better at this than I am. Refuse to settle. 
Let me ask, who is God calling you to keep praying for no matter what? No matter what. Or what has he asked you to keep praying for no matter what? He's testing your grit. He's testing your faith, your hope, and your love. Keep praying. Lastly, see it through. This is, this is fascinating to me. See it through. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Two points. Don't tell anyone about this because I can't control the crowds. There's way too many people around here. Who knows? Jesus might have been claustrophobic. Who knows? <laughs> and I'd have to think about that theologically if that's possible. I doubt he was claustrophobic. But he did suffer in all humanity like we did. Anyways, that's for another, another study. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Crowd control, I do know that was the issue. And told them to give her something to eat. Here's the deal. Is it possible that God doesn't answer some of our prayers at the, at the pace with which we, he, we would like them to be answered? Because we're not ready for the follow-through of him answering the prayer. In other words, he's not answering because we're not ready for what it's going to take to go the next step. When Jesus says, Talitha kum, this is his daughter, you must rise from the dead. When that prayer is answered, he's ready for the next steps. Don't let anyone know about this. Give her something to eat. Even Jesus himself knew she needs sustenance. What action must be partnered with your prayer? What do you need to be doing simultaneously as you're praying for God to answer your prayer request? And I just trust the Holy Spirit will bring to mind what it is you need to be doing. What is that next step? What is that next point of readiness? Setting prayer in motion? How do you do it? You're going to decide to delete. Delete the noise. Lose the drama. That means differentiate who's close to you. Refuse to settle. Stay focused on that prayer request until Jesus, like he said to David, says no. Or like he said to the Apostle Paul, you're not going north, you're going west. And then lastly, see it through. That means when God answers that prayer about your husband, or when God answers that prayer about your child, about your daughter, about your son, about your job, about your retirement, or the, or the desire to be in retirement. You're ready for the next step. You're not just like, all right, this is great. You're ready. Jesus was ready. See it through. Setting prayer in motion. We've seen God answer some incredible prayers. My prayer that was answered last week, I think I can say it, because they're not in this service. If they are, I'm so sorry. So I invited like seven friends to come last weekend, right? And the family that came is one of my most challenging families. They're, I just, I'm a little intimidated by them. Because, um, uh, anyways. And so I was so excited when they came. I was giddy. And it just meant the world to me. And I went up to him Sunday afternoon. I just said, hey, we just started talking. I didn't bring up the church because he might have had a bad experience. I didn't want to, like, be that pastor, you know. What you think? What you think? What you think? So we're th- he just said, hey, we need to tell you, we had a great experience. I'm like, really? Yeah, we got greeted when we got there. 
Our kids enjoyed it. We, we actually brought books for them to read in case they would be bored. They enjoyed the service. And his wife came up and she said, we left and I told my husband, my heart is full. Dude, is there anything better than that? It's an answered prayer. By the way, I pray for them every morning. Every morning. Every morning. I pray for all my neighbors every day because I want Jesus to use me. Don't you want him to use you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are completely dependent upon your generosity in our lives. Everything that we have is yours. Every opportunity in our marriage and family, every relationship, every every job, every opportunity for education, your financial provision in our lives, your time that you're going to give us to rest here soon, it's all from you. Would you help us follow Jesus' pattern? My life. Throw your hand up. I want to break some of the noise. If you're here and you're like, I need to delete some noise in my life, throw your hand up. I want to pray for you. I need to delete some noise. God, would you help us lose the drama? God, would you... Help us refuse to settle. How many of you have something you need, to, you need to refuse to settle and continue to pray for? Anything? And Lord, would you help us follow through when you answer our prayer request? Father, thank you for this morning. Help us set prayer in motion. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.